0: Ladies, gentlemen and other fellow humans, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co host Chris Clow, and I'm joined by the other members of our bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, including Rachel Clow, hey. Ty Monaghan, Ka-pla. and the singular and distinguished Cicero Holmes. I don't do hugs. <laughs> And, of course, back to join us once again is the singular creator and host of the YouTube channel Trexpertise, Mr. Kyle Sullivan. Kyle, thank you for joining us again. Is this a rescue mission or is this still the torture? <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a few, like, really solid just single lines in this. My brother is watching it as we speak, and he says monologuing protoplasm is easily one of the best lines in all of Star Trek. So, um, Great line. I'm inclined to agree. Uh, Before we actually jump into uh, a very eventful episode of Picard season three, we got to check in with everybody on this panel today. And we have to start with Ty, because uh, Ty actually just, uh, right? Just, you just finished an episode of Deep Space Nine? Oh, moments ago. Yes. Moments ago. Yeah, Yeah, we're trying to
1: plow through.
0: I know. Yeah. So I, obviously Rachel and I couldn't be here last week, but it didn't matter. You guys did an awesome job. And one of the things that I heard was that you are rapidly accelerating your, uh, your absorption of deep space nine. So where are you now and how is that going? Oh man. Well, let me tell you, Chris, let me tell you guys,
1: uh, we are in season five. The show is in full. It's cruising. Like, okay, so in the past, like, several days, I've watched an episode called Things Past, where we find out that Odo did, like, bad crimes as as, uh, security, you know, head of security under the Cardassians, which always, like, kind of seemed. Yeah, there's a lot of things about this show where it's sort of like, hold up, you guys need to, like, address this. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, but but whatever. Uh, We had one called uh, The Begotten, where Odo had his own little uh lol like experience. Uh and Odo Odo had a child changeling. Uh we had uh of course like Purgatory Shadow and then like by Inferno's like the like the whole thing like stuff's heating up. Like Golden Cot is bad again. The Gemidar are like in the Alpha Sector. Like there was this crazy like fake invasion switcheroo. But the two were the like they came through the wormhole, but then like they didn't really actually attack the station right like they went to cardassia and like everything is still just on edge but uh the two craziest ones that i saw were uh or or most interesting episodes that i saw uh were one called uh the assignment where keiko um so like my wife and i were discussing the previous episode of picard and the whole thing where jack kind of like controls sydney um and my wife, Julia, was like, we've never really like seen anybody do anything like that in the Star Trek universe before, where like it's not technology, but they're like possessed. And I was like, no, we did just see someone do that in the Star Trek universe last night when we watched this episode where Keiko gets possessed by a paw wraith. And you guys have talked about paw wraiths before, and I didn't know what you were talking about. and So this was my first exposure. Nobody's eyes were glowing red, um, but... Yeah, just, like, again, continuing the incredible timing. And then this one is, like, sort of, like, not really related to timing, but I just need to talk about it with you all. There's an episode where, like, Eddington, this guy, like, so he was, like, the security guy. And then it turns out he was, like, with the Maquis. And then they make him, like, kind of a big-ish bad for, like, a little while. And he has this episode where he comes back. And, like, the whole episode is kind of like, hey, man, has Cisco like, gone off the rails? Like, is Cisco like, on this personal vendetta? And like the everyone the whole time seems to be like, Yeah, but like it's <laughs> fine, right? Because like Eddington <laughs> sucks. And then and then there's a scene where like Cisco's like, I'm gonna draw him out. Fire these like poison bombs at the Maquis planet. And they're like, Captain, that's gonna like poison the whole Maquis planet's atmosphere and like nobody will be able to live there anymore. And he's like, Yeah, did you not hear my order? Fire. And they all like look at him. But then they all just, like, do it, and then the episode ends, and they're like, yeah, all those people moved away, and they, like, switch planets with the Cardassians, and, like, it was fine. And I was just like, what? (laughs) Like Talking about unresolved, like, it was just so, it was bonkers. So this season is like, yeah, no shortage of things to talk about here. But if anybody has any, like, other takes on the whole poisoning a planet thing that Cisco did...
0: Yeah, it was uh, going to be uninhabitable for like 50 years after that, if I'm remembering Something like right. that, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think the that. moral
2: of the story is, you know, don't be disloyal to Captain Sisko because he will F your planet up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah. The climate change.
1: Like if Do- if, if if the row thing would have happened with him and set up a card, like he would have just, you know, just punched her head off for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably- he would have <laughs> her down, yeah. man.
0: Left her in the in the equivalent of a ditch, some a space ditch.
2: Right? I love <laughs> Avery Brooks. Like you betrayed your uniform! <laughs> he's just like, like
3: yeah, vibrating.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh. he's at the height of his power. So Ty, so season five. So have you seen um, the 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 D- the Dominion prison facility yet? The two parter you said in Purgatory Shadow. I think that was one of them.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. So like, yeah. There's like the the death ring happening uh, mm-hmm. in the prison with, with Worf. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like the kind of like prison room with the transmitter thing yeah. that's like embedded in the wall. And like, they kind of don't make a huge deal out of revealing that like Bashir is there. And like the Bashir on the station is like not Bashir. So, and that's actually, I guess the biggest connection like direct connection uh to what we've been watching it's just like this this whole thing of like the changelings standing in for people and like mimicking the identity like that's very well established like that's totally Mm -hmm. not a new thing that they do for picard and i didn't i didn't realize that even though i had met the changelings by the time we met them in picard so yeah
0: and i hope you enjoyed trials and Tribulations. Man, you know, I was going through the
1: IMDb episode guide and that episode has like a nine point something. Like everything else is like seven. maybe like like people like love that episode, I guess. And I I don't like, is that just all people who watched like that's a TOS episode, right? I mean, that like yeah, tr- tr- they cut uh, back uh, into like, like they right. kind of like retconned in a clever way or whatever.
0: Yeah, trouble yeah. with tribbles. I mean, I, I think there was a lot of technological novelty at the time because yeah. that was like just yeah. a couple years after Forrest Gump came out, and they realized, wow, we right. can actually do that on a TV budget. But they actually like I was I watched it the other day with well Rachel was in the room. And one of the things that I just appreciate about it is that, you know, most of the time when you write TV, you write to keep things small, like, Oh, we could reuse this set. So let's write Mm -hmm. a scene that takes place here. And in this case, they wrote to be broad. Like they rebuilt the corridor sets of the enterprise, parts of the bridge, parts of the space station. And they did a pretty solid job. And like they, a chance meeting between Ira Bear and the guy that played Arne Darvin in the original series at a pizza place in Los Angeles led to him reprising the role 30 years hence to try and assassinate Captain Kirk. And it's just like, that's good Star Trek, I think. Yeah, I, that's uh, good
2: Star Trek. It's fun is what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's And, and you get now,
2: to see the DS9 cast and original era yeah, costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It's, it's cool. Yeah. And, and um, they. Oh, and, no, and no. The, go ahead.
0: The, the the one thing that I do really love about that episode is Bashir's uh, speculation about why Klingons look different. And he speculated it was yeah. like a, a genetic engineering or viral mutation. And then right. in Enterprise, in season four, they just went with both of those and combined right. them to explain yep.
2: <laughs> it. Roulette I mean, will do all of them.
0: Do it. Yeah, do it
3: why all. not? Let's just right. throw everything in the back. So <laughs> right. anyway, I. Really
0: D. All of the. I'm above. sorry, Cicero, but I cut you no, off.
3: No, no, no. I was so. What I was going to ask Ty was, I know that you didn't get far into your Tos watch, but have had you ever seen the Trouble with Tribbles? No, and the episode is only
1: like it's barely watchable. Like it's co, <laughs> it's semi coherent. It's the worst <laughs> episode of season five by <laughs> a
2: yeah.
1: wide margin. Like, <laughs> And then there's a bunch of triples on the station at the end of the episode. And yeah. they're just like, just kidding.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't. That's how TOS episodes end like Gem and R are
1: about to attack the station. You know, like, I, yeah, I, like I get everything that you're saying and I get why it was fun right. as like. It's like going to a child's like performance, So like you guys are the parent. Like you get everything that went into this child's yep. performance, but yep. I'm just like the uncle showing up yep. to the child's performance, and I'm like, these kids aren't very good. Ty, <laughs>
0: think of it practically in terms of the Dominion War. If a bunch of hadar beam on the station, they could just pick up tribbles and throw them at their faces. No, but I mean, that's what I'm like,
1: saying. The tribbles are gone now, though. Like the, the right? episode yeah. ends with them being there, and they're like, "Just kidding." But uh, the whole just- thing <laughs> of Deep Space Nine is like stuff is serialized, and like usually. Like the, the, their actual effects, like to things, but
0: also, it, it not back. with the tribbles.
4: Might, the tribbles might eat all the Ketracel white and then no more gem hadars. No
3: I gem
0: Genetic they, gem Hadar tribbles or. They just like, oh, hey, here's a new meat source. Like Edward the originally best, intended. All the best TV oh, shows are the ones that take a panel of four people to convince
1: the fifth panelist that it was good. That's <laughs> how can you know the sign of true quality.
0: Right. <laughs> Have you met how Star cute. Trek fans before? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Excellent. Well. I'm I'm glad that you are in the swing of things because, yeah, it's just it's full steam ahead until the end of the show. So, you know, if you can keep up the pace, then by all means do, because you're in for some doozies ahead. And hopefully you're starting to understand why we have such a reverence for Gul Dukat as a villain. And you still haven't seen anything yet. So
2: so you definitely saw where he made the announcement that they're the Cardassia switching sides, so to speak.
1: He's like, uh, attention, everybody. I am bad again. Uh, and <laughs> oh, Cardassia has joined the Dominion. And yeah. a big part of the reason that I did that is to upset all of you personally <laughs> on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you and I
0: on the same side. It never seemed quite. Never felt right. right. <laughs> <it>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a man of deep feelings, you know, as you'll see in Waltz uh but oh dude waltz yeah we'll we'll have some fun we're, we're gonna have to i kyle i think you're right i think when ty is done we're gonna have to just do a deep space nine
2: review a series review uh because of, uh, picard would have concluded by then i think the two of them there's a synergy to talk about there possibly definitely,
0: definitely. yeah agreed well uh Cicero, let's go to you next. Just what's your life and trek been like for the past week? And thank you for, for taking over the center seat, for assuming the con while we were out. And you're going to do it again next week. So thank you in advance. But what's going on with you?
3: So, uh, yeah, the one thing that I want to say is heavy is the butt that sits in the seat. Um, <laughs> because, uh, yeah. You have you, no you... idea. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, but yeah, man, you, you, you make it look so effortless and oh. uh, it is, it is, I was, I was like a duck, um, you know, driving, driving, driving the boat, uh, everything seemed like it was fine right above the surface, but below the surface, I was going crazy. Hey, um, you, so. you made it, I,
0: I thought it came out great. So people do say that
3: about the way ducks drive boats. That's true. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All the time, all the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess my life in Trek has just been focused on uh, trying to watch this episode of Picard one more time. And I, <laughs> I was not able to do that. Uh, so I wasn't even able to accomplish the one thing in Trek. I had one job and I couldn't I couldn't even accomplish that. But um my my the other job that is a, a job deferred is uh, going to be starting in earnest really soon, especially since you just made the mention uh, about it. And that is a DS9 rewatch that I will be starting very soon. And uh, uh, I I think I was just telling Ty that I think my issue with I have no issue with DS9. My issue is that I've watched the show in its entirety. One time through, and that was uh, three years ago, during what I believe I had pre-COVID. COVID. So I, you know, I think I had COVID. Um, I, you euphemistically called it the phage, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I I don't think it was the phage. I think. I think we do know it now as COVID, but I I was never diagnosed officially with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there are things that happened that I remember, and I you know obviously love the show. The show is great, and I'd seen bits and pieces of it before and seen it kind of disjointed, um, but it is a show that you need to watch in its entirety, and I want to watch it again in its entirety so that I can watch it having already known what's going to happen so that I can see the things that I missed. Sure. And, uh, yeah. So, and, and, you know, if, if there is one series that I want to be able to just have the encyclopedic knowledge of, it is, it is DS nine that I, you know, I want to be able to say, Oh yeah. Episode blah, 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 blah. And, and know intimately what happened in that episode. So, uh, yeah, DS nine is, is coming up. It sounds good. Look,
0: I I'm certainly never gonna begrudge anyone, whether it's their first time or their ninetieth time watching that show. You know, I think it's a it's a worthy endeavor all around. Uh Kyle, how about you? What have you been up to for the past week?
2: Uh I am Star Trek wise, still stuck in a bad voyager novel. Which <laughs> I'm angry that I have to finish. Um I bought some comic books today from a place called Acme Comics in Greensboro, which was the new Star Trek line talking about the return of Cisco. So I've got some really nice reading to look forward to. But apart from that, just work, man. I'm traveling around like a moron shooting (laughs) interviews. Hey,
0: no, that's great. Um, Being generally embedded in the world of comics, the creative team on the current Star Trek series is also... Uh, writing the current Steve Rogers Captain America ongoing series that is burning up critical charts. Ooh. And Star Trek is right alongside their cited work. So I
2: Ooh. hope
0: you enjoy it. It seems like a lot of people are.
2: Yeah, so, I, flipped, I flipped through it and there's already a picture of Data with a cat. And I got a little misty-eyed, like, again, because, like, you know, this week, this week's episode was great.
0: Yeah, which which we will discuss here shortly. Uh, Rachel. Yes. You're watching TNG still. How's how's that going?
4: Oh, pretty good. I watched the episode with um, Tasha Yar's sister. Ah. She's like obviously conning everyone, and they're all like, "Oh, you want to join Starfleet?" <laughs> like, it's just the most obvious con. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, that was good. That actress looks like Sarah Connor. Like, she
0: does. So yeah. Much. Like Linda Hamilton. Yeah,
4: Linda Hamilton or yeah. Um
0: Contemporaneously uh, at least. Yes, yeah.
4: yes. But I mean she also looks like yeah, she could play. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean fashion is so cyclical too. I was thinking, I was like, her makeup would be like very in style today.
0: Fire, um, as the as the kids would say. Uh maybe. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, probably. Um <laughs>
2: I'm cool. No cap. No cap. <laughs> Total f- <tugs laughs> fire. Um.
4: Uh. But but yeah, it's going good.
2: Excellent.
0: Very good. As for me, um. So back on the fifth, the uh, four Star Trek: The Next Generation films were released on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, and uh, so I have watched two of them thus far. Uh, generations and first contact I feel like higher resolution does a lot of favors for generations I feel like that, like that movie never really got a lot of uh, TLC in terms of its home media releases I feel like at least mm-hmm. um, the 2009 blu-rays when they came out were notoriously uh, tampered with in terms of digital noise reduction so it makes all of the the faces and the skin tones look really unusual and like plasticky. And it certainly doesn't look great when those images are blown up on a modern display. But everything is far more natural on the, the two films that I've watched so far. You can actually see grain this time, which is good. Um, and, you know, Rachel and I were talking because she watched part of Generations with me and she watched First Contact with me. And, you know, it's kind of unusual when you watch Generations Now, having a frame of reference for the series makes it stand out just how differently lit the Enterprise D sets are in that film. And, you know, I'm not because I I feel like I feel kind of weird about it, but I wonder if I would feel weird about it if I didn't have the frame of reference of the series to rely on because it's well lit. It's kind of. I don't know. It leans on shadow a lot, like Mm -hmm. more than I would have expected it to. But again, that expectation is derived from watching the show, which is very different. And they change some of the sets to beef them up for, 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 for film, you know, the enterprise set or the enterprise bridge set, I should say, got some pretty big tweaks like they put the, the the three center seats up on a platform they finally gave wharf a chair they added a bunch of additional stations to the side of the bridge and it makes the the set look pretty different but um i feel like watching that movie uh my issues with it that i have aired in the past did not stick out as much like maybe i am maturing to a point where i appreciate it more i don't know
2: uh, we we could talk about that thing for hours. I actually also bought that same set, and I watched oh, okay. like the first you know hour of generations just to see. And it does look kind of remarkable, especially yeah. the sailing ship scene looks amazing. Um, I've
0: yeah, been thought- on that ship too, by the way. Really. It's the Lady Washington, its home port is uh, not too far from Seattle, but it had actually gone up north to Bellingham Bay, which was about 15 minutes from where I lived at the time. It wasn't too long after Generations came out, but it's like a museum ship. Huh. So like, it's not it's not a, a, an artifact. They built it uh, in the 20th century so that this type of yeah. ship can be experienced. But when we went out there, a storm came up. So I actually went below deck and I'm told that someone almost went overboard and my dad pulled him back onto the deck. I'm told I didn't see that, but uh, so I have, I have been on that ship, which is kind of fun. It looks a lot nicer than it did in the movie. Than oh, it really? Did really?
2: I did. Yeah.
0: But anyway, I'm sorry. I interrupted you.
2: Oh, no worries, man. I, I I've, i I love that movie. Like to me, the motion picture and generations are my favorites. Mm hmm and that's kind of unusual for track fandom, but like I, I think the lighting in that, in that movie is a point of contention for a lot of people because it doesn't look like the TV show, but the TV show, when you go back to it, it looks so flat. Sure. And I, I love the texture of like, if you park the ship next to a star, some of that star is going to come in through the window. Yeah. And cinematically, like when Picard learns of the family news, like all the rooms he entered, he's in are dark. Like he's turned the lights out. Because he's, you know, like, that's what you do. You externalize character stuff in the environment. And, like, it just feels jarring to people. And I've seen a lot of people complain about Star Trek Picard in the same way. Like, they can't see on the ship and the show is dark and all this kind of stuff. But, man, I I adore the lighting in Picard. And I think the lighting in Generations is a lot of fun, too, personally.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, if they tried to light Picard the way that they light TNG, I mean, honestly – that might be kind of a staple of how they photograph the Orville. Like it does very much recreate (laughs) the the brightness, Um, but it works for that show in a way that I don't think it would work at all in Picard personally. But no, I mean, especially now I'm inclined to agree with you about the way that the enterprise itself is lit in the movie. I mean, I think it, I think that movie does not get enough credit for its craftsmanship at the very minimum. Um, because David Carson, who had directed emissary and he had directed several episodes of next generation kind of graduated up to the movie. And I think he did a really solid job with the, with, with what he was given Dennis McCarthy's score actually came off a lot. Like, I didn't ever think it was bad, but it it never like kind of stuck out to me, but this time it really did. Like it, Mm -hmm. it was very melodic and it seemed descended from the show, but not identical to the show. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like it had a bigger orchestra. So like it just, it, it hit, it hit pretty well for me this time. Nice. But um, in terms of other stuff that I've been doing, I'm replaying star Trek Armada. I actually really liked that game when it came out like 25 years ago and they just re-released it on, on GOG. Uh, so it actually runs really well on modern systems and watching a few key dominion war episodes of DS nine <laughs> with, with some trials and tribulations thrown in. But um we got a lot of uh, an episode here to talk about. So let's transition over to talking about episode eight of Star Trek Picard season three Surrender.
2: <clears throat>
0: so, uh, as usual, this is an episode summary that comes from the fine editors over at Wikipedia with uh, augmentations by yours truly where necessary. So,. To begin, Vatik locks all the systems aboard the Titan from the crew. She threatens to execute the crew if Jack does not surrender, which he does after she kills a lieutenant. So a lot of stuff kind of is condensed into one sentence, but this was, I think, a big source of tension over the course of a decent chunk of the episode overall. How did you guys react to this beginning, particularly that really callous death scene for Lieutenant Tavine, a character that we've kind of gotten to know uh, over the course of the past several episodes. Um, Cicero, why don't you begin?
3: I was smelling that someone was going to die and that it was going to be Tavine. There was something about the way that she was presented um, that really... like like we're we're getting a little too close to this character right like there's something about her specifically like she's in a lot of shots there's a lot of stuff that's going on like they're they're wanting us to to see her but then, you know, but then there was all that subterfuge, right? Like, oh, maybe I'm going to kill this one person. And then, you know, she went back to the ensign. She was at the lieutenant and she was back at the ensign. And then I was like, yeah. And, you know, and then I was convinced that, oh, maybe she isn't going to kill. And then she's, you know, I was like, all right. Yeah, all right. Um, so it was cool, I guess. Uh, it was cool to establish Vatic as... Like we got last week, we got, or two weeks ago, we got the episode that really kind of um, explained vadic's pathos. Um, and then we got uh, an a, a, an explanation or um, a justification for her villainy and, and how dangerous she really could be. Um, and then we got another episode where she did a little bit more of that. And then we finally got, the comeuppance, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. this was, this was the end of the Vatic arc. So this was the, the murder was the beginning of the end. It was the justification for what winds up happening to her later on in the episode.
0: Rachel, what about you? The, uh, the, the tension brought about by Vatic having a hostage and then ultimately her killing Lieutenant Tavine.
4: Yeah. I think I agree with Cicero that it, Did seem like the, maybe the camera lingered on Lieutenant Tavine a little bit, uh, in this earlier in the episode or at at some point earlier to the point where you, I kind of thought, you know, something was going to happen with her or to her at Mm -hmm. some point. Um, but I was somewhat surprised when, when she was killed. Um, but, uh. Yeah, I just it, it was a really well-done sequence in that it was there was a lot of genuine tension and um you know you did expect her to kill somebody mm-hmm. on that bridge. So yeah, yeah who was it going to be? Sure.
0: What about you, Ty? Do you think that um, that the selection of Tavine was telegraphed by how much we saw her as we led up to this moment?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I do. I I see the kind of like the lingering and the kind of extra attention that Cicero and Rachel are talking about. Um, and I do like, you know, it works well to make you take a bad guy seriously to have them say, I'm going to start killing people. And then they start killing people. Um, so, you know, um, it was, uh, yeah, certainly effective. Um, I will say like I ever since they kind of like cut down to like the skeleton crew on this ship, like right, like I'm like very unclear on how many people there are left on this ship, and like, uh, it it was like I am like slightly confused about like obviously each individual life matters, but then like later there's kind of like some i would describe as like slaughter in like some corridors and i was sort of like wait there's more like nameless non-bridge crew people still left here like i didn't i didn't necessarily realize that um but like as far as attention the last thing just to throw like a little uh bomb into this conversation like you know a hostage situation is like as worth it as the thing that you are like trying to protect and like at this point it's like we're protecting frodo but we don't know that he is the one who can Mm -hmm. hold the ring like he's just like a guy um and like i just like like we just like need to explain what's going on with jack like yesterday for me
0: (laughs) trust me that is a that's something we're going to talk about shortly. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: hard to talk about like, you know, like the tension is sort of like, yeah, I get that the bad guy was setting a clock, but like as a viewer, I don't quite know what I'm even wanting or hoping to happen without, you know, that, that piece of it. So.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle, how about you? First of all, did the, the tension as established in the episode work for you? And then what about specifically the taking to out?
2: Uh, the tension did work. It's a dark moment. I did not see any telegraphing for Taveen. That was a genuine surprise because honestly I thought the Bajoran Helmsman was gonna be the guy. The minute he was punching the code in, I was like, Oh, you're gonna die, boy. <laughs> and like he and then like she caught his arm. I was like, Yeah, yeah, I hate it, because I like him. Um, but I was more traumatized by the nameless crew members. I think, I think those are leftover from Voyager's crew compliment, like the endless people that <laughs> right. millions of people served in that ship while they're in the Delta quadrant. Like they're just <laughs> killing them to, you know, to round the figures down. But like, that was horrifying being chased through the corridors uh, and the opening shot, the pulling out of the eye. And then she's like, I'm going to cut off their sight." Ah, oh, I like competent filmmaking. It makes me happy, but Yeah it was a very tense episode. I've been gripping the arms of my chair, uh, on the second and third watches. And I'm, I'm jaded, dude. I've seen a lot of <laughs> shit. Yeah, right. I'm used to just rolling my eyes and stuff like this, but for some reason, this is working. Vadik is twirling a mustache so hard, but I believed her when she said she was going to kill people. And she did. And it definitely elevated the stakes in the right way. Poor Turf. Tavine.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. No, I mean, um, yeah. Regarding Voyager's crew compliment, it is funny <laughs> to consider that like for six years, you just saw these people like they, so a bunch of people die at the beginning. They absorb members of the Maquis, then boom, 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 boom for six years. like, people are dying left and right, essentially. And then, you know, they absorb crew members from the Equinox at the very yeah. beginning of season six. Right. And that's like the only like new personnel that they get, but it's enough. It's enough. So yeah I should
2: have had the whiteboard from Battlestar Galactica with the number on it. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) big budget science fiction, lots of and that the tension with that whiteboard and that like Voyager needed that.
0: Sure. Yeah. Oh totally. Oh, that definitely could have been used. Chris they did add Neelix. So Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Which a source of a lot of humor from Terry Metallus, which I also appreciate. Like that face is talking to Vatic, Neelix. Like, of course, right? Why not? Well, um, so as alluded to before, um, I admit a lack of patience um, in that Vatican's dialogue, which was carefully written around revealing any information about Jack, albeit with a creative flourish. But like, you know, bobbin and weaving over any essential detail that could even give us a hint about what exactly is going on outside of the idea that Jack is important. So I guess what I'm curious about in, in this respect is a question of anticipation. Are they building up what's happening with Jack too much or is that just going to be indeterminate until we know what his deal is going to be in, in hindsight? Uh, Ty, please.
1: Yeah, there's no like it's like – it's like we got invited to a show and then we attended the show and we've been at the show for an hour and a half and it's just been somebody – telling us what a great show it's about to be like, I don't, to me, it doesn't like, we've kind of reached the point where there's nothing that it could be like, it would have to be so big that it would be preposterous for it to be worth this. And I just like, again, to go like, I don't, this form of creating tension doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't understand why you would wait until halfway through Return of the King to reveal that Frodo is the one who can carry the ring like, or you know, what I, I just, I just don't get it. Like, it's not like it's it's frustrating to me. And like, I'm very ready for them to reveal more information about Jack. Uh, that's, I just don't have another way to say it, you know?
0: Kyle, mechanically speaking, I guess, in terms of the establishment of this tension, I think one of the things that stuck out to me from Harv Bennett was like, at the end of Act Two, you run your your characters up a tree, right? And they're being Mm -hmm. tormented in the top of the tree. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think mechanically, just in terms of serving the story that it's working to prolong? and I mean, prolong is, I realize, a subjective
2: term, but... It's, it's a Freudian slip, you might say.
0: Is it working in terms of how you view the way that this is playing out?
2: Uh, yes, uh, for two reasons. One, there are people... I've seen the chatter online that is expressing what Ty is expressing, where they are like, come on, out with it. They want to know but they can't know yet and it's creating a tension and like if you're telling a story if you can if you can keep people glued to the screen like you're going to do it right but the other half of it is that like not only is this a very puzzle box kind of move but it's also like a very star trek kind of move and like you have to be very careful about telegraphing details because like if you're using canon which apparently they are to to tie all this together then you have to be very careful with the drips you let from the faucet and so like it's probably different in this context than it is in a, like in a, just a random one-off movie somewhere we're like i don't know if you guys saw last night at soho it was like a murder mystery thing you know the rules are a little bit different if you're in a franchise land because if like i don't know it, it's harder to keep that a secret so they are really guarding it i th- think though it's gonna be okay i think it's gonna be worth it you know mm. like the quality of a garment is seen in the stitch and all the stitches in this season have been good. So like I personally am not, I don't care. I'm having a lot of fun. They're going to reveal it. It's going to be great. And by all reports, it's going to be the next episode we watch where everything kind of spills out. And it's going to make sense. And I think it's going to be one of those things when you go back to watch it, it's going to be like from episode one. You're to be like, of course, it's Tribbles. Why wouldn't it be Tribbles? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure. telling, they're telling us right there it's Tribbles. And you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. You know? Yeah,
1: I feel like if not this coming episode, definitely the one after that for sure. Well, <laughs> they're
2: saying on Twitter that everything <laughs> gets laid out and cinched together in episode nine. And then ten is just like closure. Like let's fix the, the problem and close the show. That's mm-hmm. what I'm hearing. Sure. Yeah. So
0: the fact that the tension exists and that people are anxious to know is a sign that it's working.
2: Yes. And another example is Shaw. Everybody hated him when he showed up because he was an antagonist. And the fact that they had an emotional reaction to his antagonism means the character's working. The show is working. <laughs> if everyone wants to know and they can't know, it creates a tension. It's like, All right, why can't you tell me? <laughs> but it, it, you know, if they didn't really want to know, they'd walk away and stop watching. Sure. They're not,
3: they're still watching.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so are we. And so so are we. we. Cicero, how about you?
3: Uh, I I agree completely with Kyle, actually. Um, Yeah. I don't even know if I have anything more to add. Uh, Like I I just, yeah, I I am on board. It is tense. I'm riding the ride. Um, I see the critiques. I have the critiques, but it's not stopping me right like oh man these fries are a little too salty i'm i'm going to finish them though they're from mcdonald's right mm-hmm. like that's it's what it is
0: yeah sounds good rachel is the prolonging of jack's story working for you
4: in this episode it did um in some previous episodes i was starting to get annoyed um but i felt like I felt like it, by the end of this episode, I was like, okay, I'm I'm okay with waiting another episodes. Um, and it sounds like if if Kyle and Kyle's sources are to be believed, um, next episode we will find out what happens. Sure. Um. So, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I'm okay.
0: To quote Nero, "The wait is over." Right. There's only so many other places it can go. Uh. All right. Well, let's move along with the plot. So. This is a big one. Jordi explains that the only thing keeping Data's personality from being devoured by lore's is a partition between the two sides within the neural net of Android M510, but Picard thinks that Data could potentially overpower his brother. After Jordi removes the partition the partition separating them and realizing he cannot overpower lore, Data surrenders his memories. Coveted by lore, the memories consume him and allowed Data full control of the Android body. Um, So last time I was on, we talked a little bit about a lack of suspense due to the fluctuating nature of Data's mortality over the past 20 years, uh, putting it mildly. This instance brings a greater level of finality to Data's restoration, um, and it does so by kind of merging... Data and lore with data serving in first position, so to speak. How did this moment land with everyone, Rachel? The, the latest rebirth of data, conceivably the last time we're going to see it.
4: Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Seems like they like to kill data a lot. <laughs> um, so this was a roller coaster for me because at first I was like, I, how many times do I have to watch Data die? Like this is—that's
0: what Picard felt.
4: we goddamn ridiculous, <laughs> all right. And then I kind of saw where they're going, and I really thought that the you know the the, the bad lore dots on the brain <laughs> changing to the good
3: blue data dots, data
4: dots was a really nice. Um, little piece of a piece of writing because you were like, "Oh, it happened." Oh,
2: that's not how neurosurgery works. Really?
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not a neurosurgeon. I don't know. Maybe, but
0: <laughs> we gotta change
3: the dots now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the dots—they're turning red. Um. Yeah, I. When that happened, I was. I liked it, and then, you know, I really liked what I was calling glorified data uh, data using contractions and being a little a little pissed off, a little pissed off, having some humor. It, I liked it. that was good. So mm. overall, it gets a thumbs up for me, although I was kind of irritated with the like data is dying yet again, aren't you sad? And like I'm
0: like, well, I- weren't you? No, I mean, I
4: was, I was mad that they were doing it again. And I didn't quite believe that he was, you know, really, really going to be dead.
0: So. Sure. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Cicero, the latest conceivably final return of Data. How did this one come together for you?
3: Uh, I mean, Data's now a real boy, right? Like that's, 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 that's what we got to. Um and yeah, it is when you sit back and you think about it, you know, not even 10,000 foot view, 5,000 foot view. Uh, you sit back and you're like, man, was this show about Picard or was this was this show about like trying to redeem Data's death? Um, because they spent the I mean, literally third time's a charm. Right. Like and they feel like they finally got it right. Uh it was cool, um, I don't know that I was ever I think like at the very beginning, I was worried that somehow data would be erased and it would just be lore or some version some bastardized version of lore um but then as as data started to hand his memories over to lore, that's when I was like, Oh, okay.' Yeah, so like lore like once lore owns data's memories he becomes data. Uh and you know uh, figuring that part out but then like w- what I didn't realize was like what that merger was going to look like externally. Um and how they were going to allow that to happen. So it's it's going to be Interesting to see how Brent Spiner plays human data, right? Um, so, um, you know, with contractions and and uh, his ability to be humorous, apparently, uh, and, and all of those things, it's going to be interesting. And and you know what? Uh, this is how you know Ty is a brilliant podcaster. Because earlier, Ty made mention to the fact that, like, we're parents going to see the kids play, right? And, and while I don't think there are many uncles in, in, the, in the audience, right, I don't think there are many people that haven't watched TNG, don't understand the dynamics of this cast and crew that are watching Picard. Uh, If there are any uncles, I wonder if they felt like Ty, with this moment, if they felt like Ty did watching Tribbles in, in DS9, because they don't. Like we're now the parents, all of us here are the parents watching data be human and do these things and make these kind of inside jokes that we find humorous and get to watch Brent Spiner just tweak his performance of this character that he's played so much. And we see all of the, we see all of the, 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 the modifications, the, 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 the alterations that he's made and we appreciate them all because we've seen the process and we appreciate the process, but those people that don't are just going to look at this and say, you know, like I I wonder if those people exist and how they're viewing it. Um, And, and I wouldn't have thought about that if it weren't for Ty. So thank you, Ty. Yeah. Excellent.
0: Uh, Kyle, the return again, again, the subsequent return of data, uh, how did this, uh, was it third time's a charm? How did this come together?
2: Uh, I think it's great. Uh, I it, it, wasn't, I guess I wasn't entirely worried. Maybe I was a little bit, maybe, maybe I was like Cicero or like, there was a minute. It was like, well, who knows what they'll do. Maybe it will be a lore. Um, but the minute he started handing memories over, you're like, yeah, it's going to be okay. And, but it was very, it was still very satisfying. And I think that um, this is a much more, if this is Data's conclusion, and I asterisk, I don't think it actually could be, but if this is Data's conclusion, I think it's a very satisfying one because it combines all the wayward artifices of the Soong experiment together and it makes a more perfect whole. And it, Lore and data are opposite sides of a personality, if you think about it. And I really like that about lore. No one likes lore and he is ridiculous, but you know, he he's they spell it out in the scene so well. You know, he's been spurned and he's upset and angry about data's life. Data can't have the emotional capacity to appreciate that and like they get to meld and they become a single person and it makes sense. And I liked it better than the other data deaths, so to speak, or conclusions, if you can call it that. I liked it quite a bit more. I love the white space they're in, and I really did tear up like you know, like a child when Spot shows up. Dude, so did I. So did I. I was
3: like, I don't know what it was about that, because Spot is
2: the best of data, and and we knew it. Like it was never really said, but at the end of generations, like you saw how important that stupid cat was, and you're like. Yeah, this is data is a feeling creature. He just doesn't know how to acknowledge it. And like, it's all full circle. This feels way more full circle for data and in an unexpected way. And he's a synth now. So is Picard. Like, in theory, this data stream can keep going. They could hire new actors to play these characters. They don't have to look like them. Like, he's software, dude. So is Picard now. That's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Absolutely.
3: Oh, uh, also, uh, sh- shout out to Tashira. Yeah. Right?
0: Uh, how About yeah. that. Yeah. 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 That was uh, that was a nice acknowledgement. Um, Ty, how about you? how did How did this come come together for you? Are you in general agreement with everybody else, or did it hit you a little differently?
1: Uh, it was fine. I liked the virtual space thing, like the representing what was going on. Uh, you know, in that way, I thought was pretty cool um i thought it was like a little bit uh caricature-ish like oversimplified the way it was sort of like it was cool what happened but the way they depicted it between the two like versions of data was very like haha good data i have defeated you and then like good data was like but wait i've got a trick up my sleeve and now you're like you know what i mean you're like turning red and like fragmenting and i'm like standing here being triumphant and smug and like um, the other weird thing is like, just the way that we're talking about this, I just want to point out, like, I think we're all just assuming that they're not going to do this because this would be like totally bogus, but like data could still totally die again. Like, right. <laughs> like there's no, <laughs> like he didn't die. The thing, Jordy was worried. Like if we raise the partition and he dies again, like I can't go through with that. Like if we lose him, but like he didn't lose, he, he like won, you know what I mean? Like the, all the nodes turned blue. So like, yeah, go ahead, go.
2: Oh, no, go ahead. I'm listening.
1: Oh, no. I just like, so, you know, like, we're all like, oh, yeah, that was a good way to like close out the whole like data dying over and over
2: again thing. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. Don't want to cut those eggs yet. Pump the brakes. Well, I mean, he could die. He could die again. I think it's okay. Like, I think this is a character that now doesn't have to be constrained by that. He's evolved. He's evolving. I just hope he backs himself up somewhere this time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Into
3: the cloud, maybe, this time. Yes, yes right. right. <laughs> it's, it's literally a nebulous cloud. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> just made up of of, uh, right. of memory gel, right? right. Um, you know, the thing that, it, that the resolution to the divided personality made me think of, honestly, it seems like it was kind of rooted in Star Trek history, that moment ends very similarly to an episode of the original series called the enemy within, um, which I really like, I like, I mean, it's got some problematic as hell elements to it now when you watch it today, but, um, the, for those who, who don't know, and most of the people listening to this probably do captain Kirk is bisected by a transporter accident into a good half and an evil half. And the episode doesn't end with one side beating the other side into submission. It ends with a realization that we need each other. And it ends with both of them hugging before they're reemerged, I should say. Um, So it had some echoes of the enemy within. It's a more, um, it's a little bit of a slower burn, certainly. But I appreciated that. You know, I think that there is some... I think that there is some universal power to the idea that these you know these really vicious rivalries that people are capable of can only really truly end when we stop fighting. You know, it's not always just pounding the other side into and, and pulverizing them into dust. Sometimes it's just laying down your sword and resolving to to live and let live. And I think that there is something very True to Star Trek's traditions by going that route.
2: Yeah, justice for Tuvix.
0: Right. Yeah. Hey. Hey. You know. You know. It's funny. On the Ready Room episode that Tim Russ was on, he was asked specifically about Tuvix, and he's like, "People still talk about it," and he's like, "Yeah, well, it's uh, controversial."
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. I just have to say. The Deep Space Nine episode that we just watched right before signing on to do this podcast was one where the Defiant crash lands and they find a civilization that is uh, their ancestors because when they take oh, off, yeah. it's going to put them 200 years in the past, and like they like without discussion, they all agree, just unanimous consent that when the option to like create two defiance and have one of them crash land and one of them go back to deep space nine is like proposed they're like oh yeah of course let's do that one let's split all of us into two separate beings and one set of those beings will go crash land on this planet 200 years in the past but we don't care about them because we'll be the ones that get to go back to (laughs) deep space nine like star trek like needs to like Talk about some stuff there
0: they,
4: like they they didn't want to <laughs> yeah. cut
0: off their ancestors from living their lives. they have just as much of a right to live as uh as the primary crew does. I assume is the rationale for that. It's been a while since I've seen that one, but I do remember being like, huh, that's."
1: They eventually make a different decision, but yeah, at the beginning, right? They're they're like, oh, cool. Like it's, it's fine to like let a bunch of us, like it's fine to just spawn different versions of us that go through totally different experiences and we don't have to worry about them. Like, whoa, think about that.
0: Well, let's move along with the plot here. So the rest of the crew rush to the computer core to plug data into the Titan systems, which he manipulates to protect Jack and vent the bridge, killing Vatic. So again, simple sentence for, but just for structural purposes, I have to say. So, Picard as a series has continued the modern streaming era Trek tradition of incorporating stronger language into the franchise. Regarding Vadic's pronouncement right before b- being blown out of the Titan, great Trek F word or the greatest Trek F word? I have, I have to ask, uh, Cicero, what do you
3: think? Greatest, greatest. <laughs> it was the most appropriate yeah moment so there was early internet there was a um a like a tech tv interview with this old guy who had this phonograph Right, it was like this clay phonograph thing, and he's in—you know—he's being interviewed by this kid, and he's talking about how it's one of a kind, and he's showing it to the to the kid, and his <laughs> his fingers get a little crazy, and he just snaps it, and it <laughs> crumbles in his hands, and he goes, "Oh, shit!" Right? <laughs> and it's it like the most appropriate thing to be said at that particular moment. Right. It's right. Like that was realistic casting and realistic writing. It was perfect for what Vatic, you know, like what would have been going through that character's head at that particular moment, perfectly uttered. It was the greatest, greatest uh, offensive word use in, in Star Trek history.
0: Probably the most natural one too, yes. if I were to yes. editorialize. Uh, yes, uh, Rachel, what did you think?
4: Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I felt like it felt in character and earned, and not just like it was there to like be cool or
0: whatever. Or shock, like <laughs> yeah. uh, the admiral in the very first episode of Picard, right? right. That one, yeah.
4: But um no, this this felt
0: like this character would say this in this movie. Yeah. 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 Sure. Ty, did you enjoy her pronouncement?
1: Yeah, I did. I wish they, I, I do wish they would have done like the PG thirteen movie policy and just like limited themselves to, to one because like
0: yeah. Yeah. this was
1: this was clearly the time, right? Like not like yeah. Picard talking about how long it took him and og jack crusher to get back to to safety when they were they were like flying around and got stuck or or whatever um but you know i mean side benefit you know i just appreciate them opening the i certainly don't feel as as worried about any slip-ups i might make with my language on this show because hey if you're watching trek now you know what you're you're getting into i mean picard himself (laughs) is dropping the bomb so
0: (laughs) exactly uh kyle how did that hit you in the moment
2: uh it, it was so perfectly earned and natural <laughs> that i didn't realize she had said it until after she had blown out the window. I was like hold, hold <laughs> up you know but it it was good you know it felt perfect
0: yeah yeah before this one my favorite one was probably ensign tilly i think it was season one of discovery yeah. when she just gets overcome by how cool the science is in the moment and that was fun, but this one, yeah, I think it has to slot a little, a little bit higher. Uh, well, the death of Vatic seems to be placing an even greater level of importance on the identity of her benefactor, if you can even call it that. Were you guys surprised that this appears to be the end of Vatic's road, considering that we've still got two episodes left? Did you guys think that maybe she was going to ride this through until the conclusion, or was she always a stepping stone to get to the ultimate? um antagonist uh kyle
2: yeah i'm, I'm surprised she went out this early i thought we'd ride her mustache twirling villainy to the bitter end and it right. came a little bit sooner than expected so now mm-hmm. like i don't know what to expect right I'm you know
0: yeah yeah most definitely uh rachel what do you think are you surprised that vatic's off the board by now or
4: uh i agree with kyle i'm kind of surprised that she uh she died so
2: conclusively
4: (laughs) um uh we actually just watched uh, a movie sunshine where a similar thing happens someone freezes in the vacuum of space and then run that's right their ship and goes into a million pieces and still cool even when (laughs) they're using it in a uh a a different co- different context here with uh, maybe slightly less expensive visual effects mm-hmm. um, but that is a really uh, kind of a cool effect when, when someone uh, disintegrates into a million pieces.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, fun fact, apparently it was Sunshine that convinced producers at Marvel that Chris Evans could be Captain America. So
4: That's that's just a hypothesis. Uh, it's, a, it's, a <laughs> hypothesis. Okay.
0: it's a good hypothesis. It's a good hypothesis. Uh, Cicero, what about you? Are you surprised that Vatic's off the board at this point in the series or, uh, what were you expecting? Uh,
3: completely. In fact, I was fully expecting that when, uh, her not quite corpse her frozen body was getting closer to the strike that the, that the, like the engines would have heated her back up and she would have reconstituted since she was a changeling. Um, and, and, you know, and then she would be back on the strike only to, you know, I'll get you next time gadget. Uh, but like she hit it and broke apart. And then not only did she break apart, but this ship that, that was like, you know, the shit, right. This was the shit ship, right. It had <laughs> all the weapons and all the things and it did the portal stuff and, and, you know, it was all reapery was destroyed very easily, I think. Both, I if if I do have a critique to levy against this episode and, and this season is that they spent a lot of time building Vatic up as a villain and dis- and and making you fear the ship that the horse she rode in on, and both were dispensed, kind of easily with mm-hmm. you know with uh you know with in in comparison to to the level of the threat level that they that they attain there's a there's a movie called equilibrium um and you know they they do a thing called gun kata in in that in that movie and it's and it's silly and all that other stuff but at the end uh I, I forget who the the hero is but they have to fight somebody and they and like the last that boss fight that you know that epic fight in the third act it was like 2 seconds long it it lasted no time and that's how i felt watching Vatic die um it was it was so abrupt yes uh it was so abrupt that it that i was fully expecting that That she would, you know, they would figure out a way for her to continue to live um, because it just didn't feel like this was the way to kill her.
0: Mm hmm. Sure. Ty, how about you? Are you uh, did this conform with your expectations? Did you assume that we were going to be running with Vatic until the end? or, or what did
1: you Yeah, think? no. I mean, I think we all knew, like, right, she's taking orders from somebody. It's not like she's the mastermind, but I definitely expected her to be involved in, like, the big final showdown with said mastermind as, like, the heavy, you know, like, the the protector still or whatever. Um, so I expected, like, this very satisfying death to come later. Um, I will just say like two things. I don't, I don't really totally get again the like as a viewer like taking the face of the bad guy off the board. Um, before I like really know a lot about the the other face, like the you know the melty face, the face behind yeah. the face, like the mastermind. Um, because now I just sort of don't have <clears throat> excuse me like an image of the bad guy in my head that I'm. That I'm waiting for to confront, um, but I will say, like on the flip side of that, this is the second time when like the good guy like finally gets the bet, and like it's like when Riker threw that asteroid at the sh- like they get me like jumping out of my couch and like cheering like yeah like it was awesome like cause she's you're like oh are they gonna get her oh no is the Shrike gonna pick her oh no she shattered into a billion pieces Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah it's a yeah. uh, it's Master Face by the way <laughs> <laughs> you guys notice that the shrink uh has like a very similar deflector area that the enterprise d has and it, mm-hmm. i've seen no. it for a couple episodes now but like now that we've been really close to that part of the ship you're like
3: that is
2: really similar
0: hmm right. that's that's interesting hmm. maybe if well uh, not anymore well, wow. yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say, too,
1: by the way, you mentioned the strike was like this amazing ship with all the great weapons, including the portal gun. They they ditched that, right? When they had to go into yeah. the black hole that was like yeah. the womb or, or whatever. I And like, that's just floating around in space, right? Like, I yeah. think yeah. some somebody found, like, we have not seen the last of that portal yeah. gun this, this season. It's yeah.
2: so being picked up by space dribbles. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and write for the Klingons
0: the the space triples that uh, can survive in a vacuum and have a biological propulsion system. You know, they're just like, oh, they're- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you guys. I, I certainly didn't expect her to be off, uh, off of the show at this point, but I think it's a sign of confidence from the creative team that they don't need her for the final two episodes. Um, they're pretty confident in who they're going to show us in these last couple of shows. So that's, that's at least where I come down. I mean, maybe it's going to be disappointing. I don't suspect it will be, but we'll see what happens. I think it's, there's, there's certainly a lot of, uh, a lot of moving pieces and that makes it fun to, to, to go for the ride on this show. But uh, let's, let's move along with the plot. So Worf and Rafi rescue Riker and Troy from aboard the Shrike, who had spent much of their detainment discussing their marital issues and desire for adventure and they are then brought aboard the Titan Worf finds Picard's original corpse with his parietal lobe removed for research on the Shrike, then returns to the Titan. And this is the moment that at long last, the crews, the crew of the enterprise D and E is finally fully reunited. So, um, we got a lot of really in-depth, intimate character work here from Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis while they were on board the Shrike. And it definitely seemed to add more layers to the life that we saw both of them living on Nepenthe in season one. Um, and I'm just curious how these moments came together for everyone because for me, this is something that like I, I've I've said before on this show, like I have a lot of investment in... Will Riker, of course, and by extension, Deanna Troy, because they're so inextricably linked. We went for the entire journey of the seven seasons of the series, seeing the dimensions of their relationship and how it evolved, and of course, how it culminated in the films. Um, But, you know, it, it does seem in retrospect, when you look back at the episode from season one that they were in, they had a pretty nice life. And in the moment that felt appropriate, but you know, you start to think about it and they've leaned a lot on this season on the idea that Riker has been struggling the entire time with the loss of their son. And so it colors the way that you see that season one episode differently. And they've decided to just bear hug it and use it as a moment to uh, mutually reinforce each other. Uh, So it came together very well for me. But uh, how did it come together for you guys? Rachel, how did uh, the heart to heart between Deanna and Will.
4: I was confused a lot of the time because I was like trying to remember what had happened in er- the earlier seasons and what they were talking about. They're like adding these layers of like, oh, yeah, their son died. And she was apparently using her mental powers to. Bl- numbed
0: him well that like that's the thing is that she used her ability to you know to reach into his emotions and he said it was to numb it and she had a different perspective that no it wasn't to numb it it was to share it and then yeah
4: i i mean i understand that all like from a sort of straightforward having watched the episode it's just in the moment i was a little out of it cuz i was very confused but i will say that i just really enjoyed watching the characters like be with each other sure. yeah. <laughs> that i was like kind of a uh, like i was okay with it even though i was kind of like not following as well as maybe i should have or wanted to um but i was like you know what i'm i'm just going to go with it because like i i'm just enjoying the characters being together
0: mm-hmm. yeah well, that's fair uh ty how about you seeing the 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 troy rikers sort of work things out yeah
1: i thought it was great especially in a season where we've kind of talked about like some of their interactions between the two of them between uh diana and will like in the season have been a little like kind of like corny because they've been like this like Ah, we got your wife, she's a hostage. And then it's just like, stand
0: there and look hostage-y, you know what I mean? Like on this hologram. So like this was calling to the flashback by saying it was a Flintstones moment when she was feeding the baby, right? (laughs) Yeah, right,
1: right. So this was definitely like a welcome shift. And one thing that I I really liked um, that I think you sort of like alluded to why I liked it was like, I really like they both revealed that they like never liked Nepenthe in the first place and they thought it was kind of a crappy place to live and that really like that just like rings so true right and just like you were saying about like it seems like kind of this idyllic thing with like this tragedy in the background when when we first like visit them at home and he's like making pizzas and stuff but like it's like things are never that simple you know what I mean like there's, there's like lives are more complicated than that and things are deeper than that in this situation and there's just more to it, you know, and it just made it more of a real, it made both of them more of real characters and it ups the stakes for both of them for what's to come. You know, they're both gonna, I'm, I'm hoping that those are the two people sitting in the chairs, flanking captain Picard when we get to this final showdown with whoever. Um, and so like great job making me care about those two people and upping the stakes. And when, you know, shields are down and sparks start flying out of a random console and one of them, falls down i'm i'm gonna be really you know i I was already invested and i already cared about those characters but to make it more immediate like that uh is like you know just a a good thing to do before we get into that climax you know
0: sure yeah nepenthean shriek bats made me think of uh chicago cicadas uh that's that's that was what i thought of uh cicero how did you think that this came
3: together um i like everyone else, I thought it came together great. Um, much like Rachel, I was still trying to, like, I was trying to figure out exactly, wh- you know, what the deeper meaning to some of the things that they were saying wh- were, but it ultimately didn't matter, right? Like I got the part that, the parts that did matter, which were that that Deanna was, was trying to share some of his pain some some of Will's pain so that he wouldn't have to feel so much of it. And Will was saying, I needed to feel all of it, right? I wanted to feel all of it. Um, not only no, not that he wanted to, he needed to, right? Um and and it and he resented the fact that he couldn't stop her from from feeling it all, right? Because he needed to feel it all in order to get through it all and and she was robbing him of that and that created a chasm between the two of them and you know like all of those things what i've really got to see ultimately in in that conversation which i love by the way was two people that loved each other right it was two characters that loved each other but it was two actors who loved their characters and they were two actors that loved the the human that was playing opposite. Them,
2: so like a superfecta, right? like it's a really weird relationship, right?
3: Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, being able to see that. But the superfecta of it all, the part that I love the most was Worf walking in and immediately macking on Deanna, <laughs> right? Like just, just – he gave since we can say he gave no fucks right (laughs) he gave none about about the fact that his his co was right in front of him and that happens to be your husband as a look on his face too (laughs) right (laughs) you know i am right here right
0: also their exes let's not forget
3: yeah Um, yeah right so like but like yeah the fact that Right, right, exactly. Like, the fact that he just came in and was like, yo, I- I'm going to say what I need to say. <laughs> right. And you're just going to sit here and listen to it. And and that's it's just what it is. Yeah. And he said he gave his piece, and then he kept it moving. And I loved that. It was wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful yeah. in all of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Kyle, please take us home with this.
2: Uh, I loved it. I thought it was good. I think I did understand it, except for the joke that Deanna tosses out. Like, oh, yeah, the changeling was just like you. He's good at sex and bad at pizza. And I was like, <laughs> it, it, she had to say yeah. two more lines before right. I was like, oh, that was a joke. Um,
0: <laughs> notice but, he wasn't
2: phased by it. So he must Yeah, have he's known just like, it.
1: sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. But he was
2: consumed by the bleakness. So I was like, sure. you know, Um, I love the conversation. I love the, the characters being deepened like this. And I, I lo- even though like the dead son thing was kind of a tropey thing, I like that they're using that to create some marrow. And I feel like the whole conversation is really like a page one rewrite of Star Trek five done right. You know, Deanna was sidebocking Riker. Let me feel your pain. And uh, no, I need my pain, you know, you know, and um, it, it, Turned out better this time, except there are no fake gods. <laughs> <laughs> there is something about
0: uh, evolved twenty third or twenty fourth century people needing their pain, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a dece- but yes, done done better. I yeah. think is clear is is a, is a clear thing to point out. <laughs> uh, well, um, we have to talk about it for the first time since December of two thousand two when the two towers was ruling movie theaters worldwide, much to the chagrin of Rick Berman. I'm sure the crew of star Trek, the next generation was complete and together again over a conference table. We've been waiting for this moment for a very long time. And I don't just mean eight episodes. We've been waiting for the, to see this again for a really, really long time. Uh, thoughts, feelings, and reactions on this moment. Kyle.
2: Uh, when we started watching the trailers for this, in my head, I knew that this was going to be something they'd had. because them sitting at a table and talking is half the show. Yeah, and it felt really good. And they and the characters said what we were thinking, and then they got down to business mm-hmm. and started talking. And you had that little, you had that really nice moment with Geordi and Data in the corridor right before, yeah. and it felt it was like, oh, I I've missed watching the Next Generation. I suddenly need to go watch some TNG. It felt perfect, man. There's no place I would rather be in the universe, Data says. I was like, synergy, baby. Yep. right. <laughs> Rachel?
4: Yeah, I really liked it. I was like, I always, these sorts of things, I, I, I resist. Like, my brain is like, stop manipulating me. <laughs> I will, like, I will rebel against your manipulations. But then I, but then... The other part of my
3: brain is like, ah, I like it. <laughs> Release the serotonin. Hook it to my
0: veins. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah most definitely. Uh, Cicero. Uh,
3: it, Yeah, it did the things that it was supposed to do. Um, <laughs> I felt the way that I was supposed to feel. Um, you know, this was the success of this season. Right? The when we sit back or or most of this season I have sat with deep trepidation, just this knot in my stomach because of the PTSD from the first two seasons. And 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 not, you know, really not season one. Season one, we were still trying to figure out what it was. It's just that the landing was was real messy. And then season two was just a mess. And and you know so you there was so much worry about what season three was going to be and and there was so much time you know there were so many times where we we would sit back and we listen to Kyle and say I trust this crew Terry Metalis and his crew they seem to know what they're doing um, and and it what was funny and was really prescient about the things that Kyle will say is like man I hope we get to you know I hope we get to see everybody together at some point um, before, you know, and not have it be just the last two episodes. And then the next episode, we got everyone in the same episode. And then last week, Kyle was like, man, I just, I can't wait for the scene. I hope we get the scene where they're all sitting around the table. Yeah. Right? And and the next week we got the scene where they're all sitting around the table. And, and it just goes to show that this that Terry metallis was watching the same shows that we were watching, and he was hoping that he get got the chance to fix it right mm-hmm. to 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 give us the show that we had all kind of been waiting for and and we're getting that in in you know season three of Picard finally uh, and I don't want to let go of my trepidation. Right, because we're we're still not done. The trip's not over yet. Yeah, but man, this this particular road trip has been pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. I got to see a fork in the road, and it was a giant fork in the road, uh, and you know, and the world's largest toilet, and, and you know, and we stopped at great places to eat, and it seems like it seems like we are on a kick ass road trip, and and hopefully. Uh, this bus driver really does know where he's going, and uh, we'll wind up someplace cool.
2: Can I make a prediction for a moment? We're going to see with the whole the whole TNG cast. Uh, so we've seen them at the conference table. Now we're going to see them collectively working on the bridge, and you're going to see yes. you're going to see it through Shaw. You're going to see him like, okay, I see what all the fuss is about. I, I,
3: yeah, yeah, that would be that would be beautiful. That would be a a complete moment. For 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 specifically for that character, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, just, which, yeah, I, I just want I just want to say this thing about uh, yeah, about yeah, Captain yeah. Short. Yes. You know, so like, uh, first episode of Picard season three, Captain Short comes out as he's cutting his vegan steak, uh, and and people are like, oh man, get this asshole off of my show about Picard. Who is he sitting here talking about about these people? Then last episode or two episodes ago he falls motionless onto the floor of the bridge and everyone's like no if you kill him right if you kill captain shaw i'll never watch this show again right like so to to, to have that character who even in this episode had moments where he was still captain shaw right where he's he's dressing down seven for making the the start you know the the Star Trek viewers choice of what to do as opposed to the Starfleet choice and and um you know and it almost turns out that he well, it turns out that he was correct right that someone on that bridge had to die and she effectively wound up choosing someone unbeknownst to her um to have captain Shaw have that moment where he gets to appreciate why these guys are so special. It would be a great moment for me as a viewer.
0: Definitely tie the reunification, so to speak of the next generation crew, how to come together for you.
1: Well, you said it was since uh, December 2002, uh, which was also the exact month that the movie Equilibrium, that Cicero mentioned earlier, was released. <laughs> let talk about a brilliant podcaster, Cicero. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the reunification around the conference table, it was like, it was cool. I wish I felt as good about it as you all did. It was like... It was nice that they did that. I just like it would have been better if they had something concrete to talk about, and if they knew what the enemy was, and they knew <laughs> what plan they were trying to make, and if they could have like come up with a plan and left that room and gone to the bridge and executed the plan. But instead, it was just like we still don't really know what we're up against, and so we don't know what the deal is with Jack, and uh, I guess we'll hope for some sort of Deanna-related breakthrough.
0: but we know we can do it together yeah 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 Yeah. no i mean um look it it hit me in all the right spots um and i know that this is a, a a very loose point of comparison but i think that this is really borne out in other places too just this this idea of legacy sequels and these instances where the principal performers that are still around on some of these longer standing franchises, it seems like the people who have the keys to those proverbial kingdoms, so to speak, have an aversion to bring characters together. And it's really frustrating. You know, we saw it most visibly with the star Wars sequel trilogy, right? There is no reason we, we did not get Luke Han and Leia together. You know, they ran out of time. Maybe they thought that it was something going to be something that they could get to later, but they killed Han in the first movie. So it didn't seem like it was ever going to be in the cards. And there's no reason for that. It's just, it seems like, I don't know. I, I mean, vindictive seems too strong a word, but it just doesn't seem like that was something that should have happened. And then it seemed to be borne out again in the first two seasons of Picard. All of these people are around. Why aren't we getting them back together to tell a story worthy of them. People have been talking for twenty years about the idea that this is not a collective uh, group of performers that have gotten an appropriate send off. There is a chance to do it. What the hell are you waiting for? And thankfully, we now have a season of Picard where those like col- those, those long-standing issues that I've certainly had with a lot of legacy sequels where the creative teams just seem so against giving people what they want are finally doing it in a way that creatively works. And it's not an impossible thing to do. Maybe they don't think they can match the the feelings that you had when you watched those original stories. Well, at least try, you know, and they're trying and I think it's working. For, for just just from my perspective. So it was something I was very happy to see, something I've been waiting a very long time for, along with mm-hmm. a lot of people. So sticking the landing, you know, Star Trek in the streaming era has a hit or miss record with sticking the landing. So let's hope that uh and you know this this I can't help it. This is a stupid fanboyish thing, but in the past on this show we talked about the idea that they gave lip service to the necessity for all of the, the the ships in the fleet to interlock, to be able to talk to each other so it's easy to find other ships. And we speculated, uh, well, maybe they need a different ship. Maybe they need to dig up an old ship. And season two of Picard established that the saucer section of the Enterprise D was retrieved from Viridian 3 and is inside the fleet museum. Maybe? Maybe that's a stupid prediction. I don't no, know.
2: They telegraphed it uh, earlier with Mika or Micah Burton, her, her character leaning to her dad while LeVar Burton and Patrick Stewart were first meeting. What about what about Hangar 12? Like, they're, they're going to uh. give you that. They're going to give it to you. The Fleet Museum's got another little spot in the last two episodes somewhere.
3: Yeah, well, man. We, we got to goonies this shit. We got we to, you know... We gotta we gotta ride yeah. out we gotta ride out on the ship at the, to end it all. Yeah, why not? Look, why not? I'm sure second, that saucer star section to the
0: right was in kind of rough shape, but Jordy takes good care of those ships.
2: He's been rebuilding it. That's been his special project. That's why he's at the fleet museum.
0: Yeah, I'll. Uh, well, okay, we have it on the record. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see how things. I play bet money
2: they've built the set.
0: That would be that, that would be a hell of a thing to keep under wraps. Uh, but if they can pull it off, then that in and of itself would make it totally worth it. In addition to just the, the moment that we could all potentially get that. So. I I, I think,
2: I think you're on the money with your criticism. Like I think season three of Picard corrects so much of what we've been seeing, not just in star Trek, but like star Wars is a good comparison. And I think that in, in a couple of years, uh, that we might regard Terry Metallus the way we regard like Nicholas Meyer, someone who pumped like Mm -hmm. a nice fresh bag of blood into the whole thing. You know? Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, things are looking good so far. Things are, things are looking good. Well, uh, in the final part of the plot. So Shaw orders seven to blow up the Shrike. Troy encourages Jack to confront his fear and step through the red door. He sees in his visions. And then the episode ends. Um, Well, at the very least, there isn't anywhere else for the revelations about Jack to hide. I imagine that things are going to become a fair amount clearer in episode nine, which we've already talked about. But I have to say that one of the things that makes me feel better about waiting this long is the incorporation of Deanna's unique skills into the story. Because this has to be some of the best usage of Deanna Troy since the series was on the air. And we haven't even spent all that much time with her, but it makes sense in terms of the way that the story is working. And I was watching... Uh, I occasionally watch videos from Steve Shives. He's another Star Trek YouTuber. And he was, I think he was reviewing one of the movies. And he said that, well, I hope that they just don't. I think he was talking about generations, where, you know, the most memorable scenes from Dr. Crusher in that movie and in really in all of the TNG movies were like getting dunked by data at the beginning of generations and then just kind of giving expository information. She didn't really have that much of a function. That's something that has certainly not been the case in Picard season three. She's a very significant function, but also now Deanna is uh, she plays a very particular role in the way that this is coming out because they've spent so much time building up Jack. Uh, so what do you guys think of just the way that Deanna is being brought in and, and by extension, just the way that all of the individual characters are being used in this, in this story. Uh, Kyle, please.
2: Uh, I think it's been good. It's been really strong. D, uh, TNG suffers with Troy and Crusher in particular. Yeah. About being sidelined and being expository devices. And I think that they, if and we only have Deanna for, you know, a few episodes. We've only seen her really uh, presently for one episode, but like, it's, you're right. It's like, she's on, she, her character is being plugged into the situation in a very satisfying way, in a way that seems useful. And, all of the pieces, all the chess pieces, maybe except for Roe, have been <laughs> uh, have been used to that satisfaction. Especially the core cast, like everyone's sort of part of this, and it makes sense the way that they're part of this. Like someone thought about it at the part where they write this stuff. Yeah, right. mind blown. <laughs> um, uh, I like it. I would like more of it, please.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ty, how about you? Yeah,
1: I would agree with that. I mean, it's good. Uh, I think, you know, like, like you said, it's just one of the best deployments of Deanna and her special, like (laughs) there's a lot of times on TNG when I feel like they almost forget that they have this incredible ability at their disposal, even in situations where it would be like remarkably handy. And so to finally like see them just like directly making the connection of like, you can feel what's going on in people's thoughts there's something seriously wrong with this guy's thoughts maybe you can help and like we actually get to see that in in an, in like a way other than just like go to your appointment with counselor troy um yeah super super satisfying really like great great use of the character
0: mm-hmm, definitely cicero
3: yeah uh it is good it is good
0: all right he has spoken solid Rachel, especially since you're watching TNG right now, how do you think the incorporation of Deanna into this story is working?
4: Um, I think it's it's working well. Um, I guess her empathic powers are, it seems like they are either... As the show moves on, I think, like, probably for the first couple of seasons, they're mentioned a lot. And then as the show moves on, it's either, like, the crux of the episode or just they're not there at all. (laughs) Um, And um, it's good to, you know, see them being mentioned if she's around. Like, yeah, I, I just, there's, I don't know. There's so many so many times where it's like, I feel like she should be able to solve this more than she
0: is. Sure. And I think that the, th- the reason that I feel more strongly about it is just because as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, she, th- they have been building up this, this situation with Jack for so long that they have now reached a point. They've reached kind of a critical mass where the one member of the TNG crew who has the ability to provide absolute clarity is being employed to answer that long-standing question. So, I appreciate that. That's all. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think we went around the world, you guys. This was uh, this was a, a an intense episode, certainly uh, an emotionally packed one, with the return not just of data, but the collective entity of the TNG crew. Uh, not an insignificant occurrence. So, uh, let's just go around for quick final thoughts on on the how this episode unfolded. Cicero, you uh, you told me, wow, I loved this one. Yeah, give us give us your final take. Nope. Uh,
3: wow, I love this one. It was it was great. Um, if I if there is a critique, it's not of the episode, but of what's left to be answered, right? We still have Jack to go through the door. We have to understand the scope of what his powers are and what he is. We've got Frontier Day and what that is. Like, there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of unresolved. And my, like, the worry that I have, the the knot that's not quite as big, that's still in my stomach is, are we going to have the space to, to, answer all of the riddles and give us something satisfying in the last we've two been hours. burned
0: before right we have
3: yes we have so um that is i mean hell with discovery i think we're burned every season so um yeah so that is that's my worry but i'm i'm enjoying it's a hell of a ride in picard season three excellent
0: ty final thoughts on surrender
3: Uh, yeah, man, it's
1: a hell of a ride. It was a good episode. I enjoyed it, but I just, I just have to say with this season, it's like, it's hard for me to come up with a verdict on episodes because if you picture like a scales where you can put some things on positive elements of the episode and some things on negative elements of the episode, like you, they just keep heaping like these dumb cliffhangers that I don't care about with Jack on the negative side of those scales. And it's becoming like an unbearable weight for me. So like while I enjoyed this episode and like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to stop watching Picard with two episodes left and stop podcasting with you guys because I think this Jack revelation is dumb. Right. So like me continuing to watch the show is not like some endorsement of all the decisions that they make with the show. But like, I just like, Like, I I can't, like, he's, like, the the next episode needs to start, Jack needs to walk through the door, and he needs to appear in Halo, right? Like, that's the level of mind blow that I need to get for this to be worth it. And the thing with Frontier Day, it better be worse than destroying and collapsing every existing universe in the multiverse because we already did and foiled that plot in discovery so like what is the payoff of this like what could this possibly be like i have had my mind blown so many times by individual episodes of ds9 that are 48 minutes long And like, I've been doing this for eight hours and like, what could possibly be like, what is Jack's deal? It cannot be worth all of this buildup to me. So that's, that's where I'm at. Like the episodes are fun, but like, come on, like this, this format is just like, they have stretched it, you know, like a nice thin pizza crust is is great, but like you got holes in your crust, man. Like you gotta, like you overstretched. That's where I'm at.
0: Well, as someone who used to work at Little Caesars as a teenager, I understand <laughs> where you're coming from. <laughs> oh, I Rachel, thought you were going to say, as
1: somebody who worked at Little Caesars, just pop it in the
0: oven anyway. It's- <laughs> 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 Rachel, final thoughts on Surrender?
4: Uh, episode good.
0: All right. Excellent. Uh, yeah,
4: I I guess okay. I feel kind of like Cicero where I'm like, like, I have touched this hot stove before and I don't want to touch it again by getting too excited. Like, you know, you're all excited and they're like, oh, that was disappointing. But so I'm I'm just trying to whatever they have in store for me, it just, you know, relax and let the universe uh, or, you know, the people who re- are writing Picard, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, tell the story they're going to tell. And hopefully I'll like it.
0: Mm hmm you must have faith that the universe I think our will listeners perform. need
1: to know that I, I perceived Rachel's gesture there as as like absorbing the next two episodes like as one puts on a relaxing face mask <laughs> like <laughs> just soaking it in through the pores that's yeah. <clears throat>
0: When she watches it, she put she puts her, her fingers on her face and and rubs the. <laughs> I think that's in. what I'm
2: gonna yeah. visualize because I, I it seems like I could use that. So it's weird. I, I thought I put the lotion in the basket. I, I'm confused. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, Kyle, give us the last word on surrender.
2: Oh man, last word. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I am not worried at all. Uh, I made a. analogy of the uh, the stitch versus the whole garment, each stitch we've been shown has been excellent. I am 13 years old again, sitting, you know, on my butt with a sketch pad with TNG on the TV drawing spaceships. I'm having so much fun, and they can do whatever they want. I'm gonna. I've had a great time this far. I don't think even if they screw up the landing, I'd be like, I'm still smiling.
0: It's reached the point now where the whole season has become worth it, even if there's one. Absolutely.
2: I think so. You know, and I can't wait to binge the hell out of this thing after it's over. I just want to watch the whole thing in one sitting and see and understand what I missed. But I I, I feel like a kid in a candy store.
0: Mm -hmm. Maybe an essay at some point down the road.
2: Definitely. Definitely.
0: All right. Excellent. Great. Well, uh, I liked it, too. That's uh, that, I think that's what, uh, that's what we'll say about Surrender. Let's move along to everybody's favorite time on Discovery Debrief. It's
3: pedantic continuity time.
0: Now you guys can probably hear it, right? I can't yeah. hear it. Really? Okay. No, oh, no. Hey. Yeah, all, all the better. Uh, well, So, as usual, Pedantic Continuity Time comes from the fine editors at Memory Alpha, except for last week where I had to do it myself because they didn't give me any help, but that's okay. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Uh, Riker's discomfort from Worf's intimate greeting of Troy may stem from Worf and Troy's brief romantic relationship in 2370 as seen in All Good Things, the series finale of The Next Generation. Uh, The objects in Data's memories include... Sherlock Holmes' Deerstalker Cap and Pipe, which Data wore when playing the role of Holmes in holo programs from the episodes Lonely Among Us, Elementary Deer Data, and Ship in a Bottle. The holographic portrait of, of Natasha Yar, which was among Data's possessions after her death in TNG's Skin of Evil, the season one episode, which we also saw reappear in The Measure of a Man and the Most Toys. Uh, a deck of playing cards from the poker games regularly played by the senior staff of the USS Enterprise D., you know, seen from The Measure of a Man all up through All Good Things, the final scene of All Good Things, the final moment of All Good Things, and Data's pet cat Spot, which he adopted no later than 2367 in Data's day, who was last shown in B4's possession in Star Trek Nemesis. Despite Spot having given birth to kittens in Genesis, Data still refers to Spot as he. A uh, nice, fun little factoid. Which, I mean, Spot has kind of morphed through different species, too. Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's always fun to see that given a little bit of service. Um, and finally, Worf is confirmed via rank insignia on his uniform to now hold the rank of captain. Um, and so in, in non-canon EU material, including the Picard novel, The Last Best Hope, which depicted sort of the beginning of the evacuation of Romulus, Uh, upon his promotion to Admiral and his appointment to lead the evacuation of Romulus, Worf was actually handpicked by Admiral Picard to become the next captain of the enterprise E. So, um, that, I don't think that that has actually been confirmed in dialogue that he held that role, but he holds it in my heart and, uh, you know, give us the captain Worf show. I don't care if it's, you know, yeah. Anachronistic. I think, I think we deserve it, but, um, Kyle, thank you again for taking the time to uh, join us. Is there any update that you'd like to give on where people can find your work?
2: Uh, thank you for having me. It's always fun. No updates. Trekspertise.com. I live All right. there. It's Excellent. my house. It's
0: a good place to start, of course. Uh, well, uh, thank you to our panel once again. I think we, we had a, a fun discussion for a good episode, but that is going to do it. For episode number ninety two of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. And if you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show wherever you found it. It only takes a minute, and let us know if you wrote one and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief, and feel free to send us questions through Twitter or by emailing us at hailing frequencies at discovery Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes and be be sure to join us next time as we discuss the next adventure of our friends from the Enterprise D and E as always though until we meet again please go boldly my friends